Hello everybody, how you doing? Welcome back. It's time for another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America. This is episode 25. And thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. So, I wanted to make a correction. Um, A couple podcasts ago, I said that the quote, um, not until you've lost everything, uh, are you free to do anything? I said that was from V for Vendetta. Uh, I was wrong. That was from Fight Club. So, oops, sorry. Um, uh, the line from V for Vendetta I think I was thinking of was our, uh, something sells for so little, it's, um, (laughs) see, I can't remember this stuff, people. (laughs) I try to come up with this shit. I need to write this down before I do a podcast. I don't know. Who cares about the stupid line from V for Vendetta? Just go watch it. God damn it. <sighs> so anyway, the other line was from Fight Club. Okay. Night until you've lost everything. Are you free to do anything? Um, okay. So I just wanted to make that correction. Um, lots going on. Lots going on in the world. Um, lots of stuff I've been talking about on this podcast is uh, coming to life. Becoming reality. Um, you know, if you're following the uh, the podcast on Facebook, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, a lot of the stuff I've been posting uh, is stuff that relates to uh, things that I've been putting in my podcast and uh, stuff that I already put in podcasts that are already recorded that are uh, yet to come. So if you kind of want an idea of where I'm going with the podcast ahead of time, just kind of go look at the Politics and Punk Rock podcast Facebook page, and you will kind of get somewhat of an idea. So, Okay, so today I'm going to play a long clip. It's kind of long. It's like 20 minutes long. Uh, But I want you guys to listen. And I've taken some notes from this 20-minute speech Uh, And I kind of want to talk about it when I'm done Uh, playing this clip for you. Uh, But before we get into the clip, I want to introduce to you a couple men that I think probably need an introduction. Most of you Americans probably have no clue who these dudes are. And uh, um, you're going to hear two men speak in this Pentagon briefing. So I'm going to play you a 20-minute clip of a Pentagon, a recent, just this just happened like last week, um, Pentagon briefing, talking about the importance of artificial intelligence with respect to being uh, AI um, ready uh, and being able to stay competitive on the world scene. Uh, very interesting and simultaneously scary stuff. And it's not so much what these guys say in this press conference that sparked my attention and made me want to talk about it. It's how they sell it to you. 
Like, this is pretty much a sales pitch, what you're about to hear. And I want you to keep that in mind when you're listening to these guys stumble over words and try to hide their enthusiasm for this these projects that they're about to get f- funding for. And a lot of funding, you're going to hear. But there's a lot of hyperbole. There's a lot of salesmanship. There's a lot of creating alarm. There's a lot of uh, Hegelian dialectic going on. And I want you guys to listen to not only the story these guys are telling you, but the story that they're not telling you. Uh, there is some revealing stuff in this 20-minute clip. And I, I found it quite interesting and quite fascinating, and I hope you do too. So the first gentleman that you're going to hear speak uh, is a gentleman by the name of Robert Orton Work. He is an American national security professional who served as the 32nd United States Deputy Secretary of Defense for both the Obama and Trump administrations from 2014 to 2017. Prior to that, Work was a United States Undersecretary of the Navy from 2009 to 2013. And before that, he was a colonel in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, He retired in 2001 uh, and worked as a civilian at the Center for Strategic and Budgetary Assessments. So this guy's doing a lot more in his retirement than he probably did. um, Maybe not more, but he's still out there working. Uh, (laughs) And is very, very very involved in the coming AI world. Uh, I keep telling you people, it's coming. This new Orwellian surveillance police state... All, uh, artificial intelligence, you know, who knows? Robots might be coming, Terminators might be coming. You know, it's that same old argument. Warhol, does art imitate life or is it life that imitates art? So Robert Work's going to talk to you in the beginning of the speech. Uh, and then after that, he's going to introduce to you the director of The Jake. And the JAKE is an acronym that stands for Joint Artificial Intelligence Center. And that's the military wing of the Department of Defense that is researching and doing R&D, research and development, uh, for all things artificial intelligence. Uh, So the second guy you're going to hear is the director of the JAKE, uh, Lieutenant General Michael S. Grone. Uh, he leads the Jake's progress in support of transforming of the U.S. joint warfighting and departmental processes through the integration of AI and enabling the empowerment and unification of bottom-up artificial intelligence development by innovators across the Defense Department. In support of this, he ensures that the Jake is able to provide the foundational elements of AI, <clears throat> excuse me, and AI-enabling technical services and infrastructure acquisition support, expertise, and best practices to the department's AI ecosystem, okay? So what these two men are about to, uh, they're they're about to say in this press briefing, uh, in my opinion, is very enlightening and very concerning at the same time. So here we go. Without further ado, I won't uh, speak through this. I want you guys to just listen Pay attention if you got the time. Take some notes. I'm going to take some notes. Uh, and we're going to talk about, we're going to unpack 
We're going to unpack a lot of what these two men are about to tell you uh, at the end of this clip. So uh, grab a beverage, sit down, and take a listen to a recent Pentagon press briefing. Here we go. I'll turn it over to Mr. Work and General Groan to deliver their opening statements. Well, thank you, and good morning, everybody, those here and also who are following online. I'd like to start by just two overarching comments. First, for the first time since World War II, the United States' technical predominance, which undergirds both our economic and our military competitiveness, is under severe threat by the People's Republic of China. Nick Burns, who uh, is uh, in his confirmation hearing, or Bill Burns, Bill Burns, I'm sorry, uh, Bill Burns, in his confirmation hearing as the director of CIA, said that in the strategic competition with China, technology competition is the central pillar, and the AI Commission agrees totally with that. The second broad thought is within this technological competition, the single most important technology that the United States must master is artificial intelligence and all of its associated technologies. Now, we believe, uh, we view AI much like Thomas Edison viewed electricity. He said, it is a field of fields. It holds the secrets which will reorganize the life of the world. Now, it sounds like a little hyperbole, but we actually believe that. It is a new way of learning, which will change everything. It will help us in, uh, utilize quantum computing better. It will help us in health. It will help us in finance. It will help us in military competition. It is truly a field of fields. So with that as background, we said, look, we are not organized to win this competition. We just are not. We say we're in a competition, which is a good thing. The first thing you have to do is admit you have a problem. So Houston, we have a problem. But we have not organized ourselves to win the competition. We do not have a strategy to win the competition. We do not have the resources to implement a strategy, even if we had one. So the first thing is we have got to take this competition seriously, and we need to win it. We need to enter it with the one single goal. We will win this technological competition. Um, now what we decided the best way to think about this is we are not organized now. We need to get organized. We said by 2025 we should, the department and the federal government, should have the foundations in peace for a widespread uh, integration of AI across the federal government and particularly in DOD. Now there are three main building blocks to achieve this vision. First, you have to have top-down leadership. You cannot say AI is important and then let all of the agencies and subordinate departments figure out what that means. You have to have someone from the top saying, this is the vector, you will follow the vector. If you do not follow the vector, you will be penalized. <clears throat> if you do follow the vector, you will gain extra resources. So you have to have top-down leadership. Now, 
one of the first recommendations that we made is Jake was underneath the CIO, and it was actually underneath DISA in many ways administratively. We said, if you want to make AI your central technological thrust, it needs to be elevated, and we recommended that the Jake report either to the secretary or the deputy secretary. That was actually included in the NDAA, and now Jake reports to the Deputy Secretary of Defense. And that's a very good first step. But we think the next step is to establish a steering committee on emerging technology. This would be a tri-chaired organization, the Deputy Secretary, the Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the Principal Deputy Director of National Intelligence. They would sit and they would look at all of the technologies. They would drive the thrust towards an AI future, and they would coordinate all activities between the intelligence community and DOD, which is a righteous thing. They would be the ones who identify lack of resources, address that problem, uh, and also remove any bureaucratic obstacles. The steering committee would oversee the development of a technology annex of the national defense strategy. The last time we had a list of technologies there were 10 on the list. All 10 of those were very, very important, but when you have 10 things as your priorities, you have no priorities. You have to establish some type of prioritization and enforce it. So the technology annex to the National Defense Strategy would do just that. Also, the department should set AI readiness performance goals by the end of this fiscal year, 2021 with an eye towards 2025 when we need to be AI ready. So top-down leadership is the first big pillar. The second is to ensure that we have in place the resources, processes, and the organizations to enable AI integration into the force. Now, the uh, commission said you need to establish a common digital ecosystem. The Jake has established the Joint Common Foundation. There are a lot of similarities between the two, although the Commission's view is a little bit broader than the Joint uh, Common Foundation at the point. But the point is that everyone sees the necessity uh, that provides access to all users in the department to software-trained models, data, computing, and a developmental environment for DevSecOps that is secure. We recommended that you designate the Jake as the AI accelerator. We actually assess that China is a little bit ahead of the United States in fielding applications at scale. We can catch up with them, and we believe that Jake is the logical place in the department to really be the accelerator for AI applications at scale. The department has to increase its S&T spending on uh, uh, AI and all of R&D. We think it should be a minimum of 3.4% of the budget, and we recommend that the department spend about $8 billion on AI R&D annually. That will allow us, we think, to cover down on all the key research areas. There's all sorts of specialized acquisition pathways and contracting authorities out there. We still continually need to refine them because Many of them are not perfectly applicable to software type things. And I know Jake is working on this, uh, but we have to have an updated approach to the budget and oversight process for these things. So the second big pillar 
is ensure you have the resources and the processes and the organizations. And third, you have to accelerate and scale tech adoption. You really have to push this. So we recommend standing up an AI development team at every single COCOM with four deployable elements, and they leverage technological uh, knowledge to develop innovative operational concepts and essentially establish a pull for AI-enabled applications that will help them uh, accomplish their missions. The department should prioritize adoption of commercial AI solutions, especially for all of the back office stuff. There's really no reason to do a lot of research on those type applications. The commercial industry has plenty of them. You just have to prioritize identifying the ones that can be modified for our use and bring them in as quickly as possible. We think the department should establish a dedicated AI fund under the control of the Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering. And that fund would allow the uh, Undersecretary to get small, innovative AI companies across the valley of death. And this would be up to the Undersecretary of Defense for R&E, who is the Chief Technology Officer of the department. Now, the things that undercross all of these are talent, uh, ethics, and international partnerships. Let me talk about talent first. We think you ha we have to have a DOD digital core modeled after the medical core. These are digitally savvy warriors, administrators, and leaders. We just need to know who they are. We need to code them in some way, and we need to make sure they're in the places that have the highest return on investment. We need to train and educate warfighters to develop core competencies in using and responsibly teaming with machine systems, understanding their limitations, understanding what they should not be asked to do, etc. And equally, AI and other emerging technologies need to feature prominently in senior leader education and training with a key focus on ethics, the ethical use of AI. Now I'll go right into that. We're in a competition with authoritarian regimes. Authoritarian regimes will use technology that reflect their own governing principles. We already know how China wants to use AI. They want to use it for population surveillance. They want to use it to suppress minorities. They want to use it to cut individual privacy and trample on civil liberties. That's not going to work for a democratic nation like the United States. And so this is as much a values competition as it is a technological competition. The way Eric Schmidt, our chairman, talks about this is we're going to employ platforms which bring these technologies. So let's just think about how 5G worked. Huawei's 5G technologies allowed a country who do this uh, or uses it to essentially surveil their population. So these values are very, very critical and an important part of the competition. And finally, we're not going to succeed if we do it alone. This is a kind of central thinking and U.S. defense um, strategies. So we have to promote AI interoperability in the adoption of emerging technologies across among our allies and our partners. We are absolutely confident as a commission we can win this competition, but we will not win it if we do not organize ourselves and have a strategy and have resources for the strategy 
and a means by which to implement the strategy and make sure that everyone is doing their part. Thank you. All right. Uh, good morning, everybody, and uh, thank you very much for participating in this important session. And uh, first, I want to say thank you to uh, Secretary Work and the National Security Commission AI on AI uh, team. Uh, just incredible work. I mean, what you see, if, you, if you've read the report, I, if you haven't, I encourage you to go to the website and look at the NSC AI final report. Um, what you see is like a deep understanding and a deep analysis of down to first principles, bare metal for what it takes for AI integration and preserving our military effectiveness. Um, what they produce is critically important, and critically important for us in the department, but it's also critically important for our national competitiveness. In the same breath, um, I, I'd like to say thank you to Congress and, uh, and department leadership, both of which clearly understand the importance and the need to innovate and modernize uh, the way we fight and the way we do business. And I'm happy to report, as the director of the Jake, a positive momentum toward implementation of an AI, uh, of implementation of AI at scale. We certainly have a long ways to go, but you can see the needle trending positive. Uh, we, with bipartisan support from Congress, with great support from the DOD leadership, the services are beginning to develop AI initiatives and expand operational experimentation. That is taking those first steps. The defense agencies are reaching out daily to share their best practices with us and with each other. The combatant commands, especially the combatant commanders, have, uh, have caught a glimpse of what the f might look like through a series of, of integrative exercises. They like it, and they, they're, they're eager to gain these capabilities. Uh, with the Jake now aligned under the Deputy Secretary, uh, which gives her and the rest of the department leadership access to the tools and processes to reinforce their priorities, underline our ethical foundations, integrate our enterprises, and transform our business processes. And we, we, we are eagerly looking forward to that work. <clears throat> like the NSC AI, we see AI, AI as a core tenet of defense modernization. And when I say AI, I want to be clear, I'm not just talking about the Jake. All AI, the, the, the efforts of the services, the efforts of the departments uh, and the agencies, rides on the foundations of good networks, good data services, good security, and good partnerships. And an important part of the Jake's business model is to build those as part of our AI infrastructure. And with lots of budget work ahead, I think, you know, we'll hear, uh, you know, as FY22 is relooked and, and the Palm 23 to 27 is developed, you know, we'll hear a lot about modern weapons systems and concepts. And it's important that we, should, we understand that their potential, those weapon systems, those concepts, their potential to modernize our war fighting rides on, those on the foundational data, the networks, the algorithms that we build to integrate and inform them. Uh, we'll have to talk about these technical foundation and architectures in the same conversation that we talk about platforms. Getting AI right and our secure data fabric environment right will be central to our ability to compete effectively with the Chinese and the Russians as well, or any modern threat for that matter. Um, and, and there's more, actually. So in an era of tightening budgets and, and, a, and, a, and a, a focus on, on, uh, on squeezing out uh, things that are, that are legacy and not important in the budget, um, uh, the productivity gains and the efficiency gains that AI can bring to the department, especially through the, the business process transformation, actually becomes an economic necessity. So in a squeeze play between modernizing our uh, warfare that moves at machine speed 
and tighter budgets, AI is doubly, ne doubly necessary. Uh, so what, I'm, what am I talking about when I talk about AI? As uh, Secretary Work's comments uh, convey, the integration of AI across the across the government and the Department of Defense is much more than just a just a uh, you know a, a facile layer of technology applied. It's not about shiny objects. You've heard the you know the the phrase amateur study tactics and professional study logistics. Well, in this environment, amateurs talk about applications and professionals talk about architectures and networks and elevating the AI dialogue in the department so that we are talking about the foundations of all of our modern capabilities is a really important task, one that we're, that we're, we're working hard on. Uh, the core business model, that is what the department uh, you know, gives to the American people, what our mission is, doesn't change. But a modernized, data-driven, software-heavy organization will, will do things in a different way. It's a, it really represents a transformation of our operating model. How do we do the things that we do as a Department of Defense? And that operating model will have to create a common data environment where data is shared, data is authoritative, data is available. The data feeds and algorithms across the department will create productivity gains, accelerate processes, uh, uh, provide management visibility, insights into markets. And if all of that sounds like a modern software-driven company, uh, you know, you can think, think of all of our tech giants uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and smaller innovative companies across the, the U.S. economy. Um, it's because it is. It's the same challenge. It's the same problem. And so we have examples, right? There's very little magic here. It's about making our organization, the Department of Defense in this case, as productive and efficient as any of these modern successful data-driven enterprises. But there's so much more because all of this technology applies equally to our warfighting capabilities. Our capabilities in a broad range of supporting activities from all the defense agencies and other places that make up the business of the department. We've created positive momentum for AI and we continue to build on that now. But now comes the real critical test. Um, in, as in any transformation, uh, the, the hardest part is institutional change and change management of the workforce and practices and processes that drive, that drive a business. This step will not be easy, even within the Department of Defense, but it's foundational to our competitive success, our accountability, and our affordability. As the NSCAI work reveals, I mean, we, we have a generational opportunity here for AI to be our future we must act now. We need to start be putting these places into place now. Um, so I want to quickly describe our position through two different lenses. One is competition and the other is opportunity. Uh, first of all, with, with respect to AI competition, uh, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's illustrative to talk about the economic impacts of artificial intelligence as a first order. Um, economic forecasts predict a, an AI uh, economy of 16 trillion, a 16 trillion dollar AI economy in the next 10 years, and and this will this will this could amount to massive uh, GDP increases, 26 percent as high as 26 percent for China, as high as 15 percent for the United States. That to to to, to participate in this competitive AI marketplace, and if we do that. Uh, uh, this is core, this core economic competitiveness of the United States then needs to be reflected in a core military uh, competitiveness in this in this space as well. It's important to note that you know while we talk about a 16 trillion dollar market in the next decade, um, 
this happens to coincide pretty closely with China's declared and often repeated uh, intent to be globally dominant in AI by 2030. So when we look at the transformation of our economy has to be accompanied with a, a, a close attention to the emerging threats that are taken that are that are declaring their intention to use this as a point of competition between uh, autocracies and democracies. Our forces must operate with tempo, with data-driven decisions, with human-machine teaming. Uh, our forces must have broad situational awareness, multi-domain integration. Uh, uh, the, the, the PRC has a robust entrepreneurial AI environment. I mean, we're all familiar with you know, Ant Financial or Alibaba, Tencent. I mean, these are global companies. Um, but we're also very familiar with the artifacts of population surveillance, minority oppression, the, the things that the Secretary of Work talked about under the Chinese Communist Party's rule. We, we read about Beijing's large-scale campuses, their tech campuses and their, their state-owned enterprises that create a pipeline from entrepreneurs and innovators in China to through the civil-military fusion that take those capabilities directly into the PLA and military capabilities without intervening accountability or transparency. Um, their organizational efficiency, that, that uh, autocratic rule, they count that as an advantage, is, is being applied directly to their AI development. And they are surging forward in their, in, their, in their capability. This has to give us pause to contemplate. What does, what does China's dominance in AI mean for us if they intend that dominance uh, by 2030? What does that imply for us? But we also can look through the lens of opportunity. Our best opportunities lie in American innovation. Academia and small companies are brimming with good ideas in the AI space. The, the number of AI companies is proliferating rapidly. rapidly. Um, we have warfighters across the department, especially young ones, that can visualize their use cases in their operating environment and the things that they need, need to do from a military capability perspective. They're good at this. They know how to operate in a data-driven and app-based environment. And they expect the same from their defense systems. We have the best science and the best AI research available uh, uh, in, in academia inside the United States and in small companies. And we also benefit from the fact that we have a tech inversion in place where the, the AI technology that we need to run our department and change our operating model exists right, literally right across the street. And many of the companies, the, the modern AI-driven, data-driven companies that have survived in a very competitive market, we have lots of good examples to look at. We also have a rock-solid ethical baseline that drives a principled approach, that drives our test and evaluation, our verification, our validation, our policy, and in the end of the, in, in the, end of the, of the analysis, in our trust in our AI systems. And I welcome your questions about that. The good news, we have a 1,000 flowers blooming inside the department through the initiative of the services, the agencies, and the activities of the department. And we're doing better to, to integrate uh, our industry technical expertise with warfighting functional expertise so that we can actually responsibly and responsibly build, implement technology in the places that matter most. Uh, we have the opportunity to drive productivity, efficiency, effectiveness, uh, to, of the department to new heights. And uh, the performers across the department, in the Jake, in the services and other places, are very excited and count themselves lucky to be part of, uh, of this work. And uh, uh, with that, we very much look forward to your questions and uh, appreciate your attention. Okay. Wow.
I know, that's a lot. It's a lot. Lots to unpack. So here we go. I'm going to just kind of go over my thoughts after listening to that, okay? The first thing I heard uh, him say, I'm paraphrasing, uh, is that China is a threat. China says that they're going to be the, the world artificial intelligence superpower by the year 2030. Uh, these guys are saying America needs to be AI ready to compete in this global, you know, they're saying competition. Uh, that's a pretty word for war. It's another war. We had the war on drugs. We had the war on poverty. We had the war on terror. Now we're going to have the war on AI domination. So China's a threat. Uh, I think he said that the CIA, the CIA is basically in control and heavily involved, which is obvious, and you know how I feel about the intelligence community, quote-unquote. We've been talking about it for a while. And then he said, <coughs> oh, man. He said, uh, you know, pursuing this AI uh, technologies and futures and all the associated uh, technologies, etc., whatever. Uh, he said, quote, holds the secrets that will reorganize the life of the world. He's telling you people that artificial intelligence, their plan is that they believe that artificial intelligence holds the secrets that will reorganize the life of the world. Let me ask you something. This whole COVID pandemic, right? I know, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist. But isn't it funny? I keep saying, and other people, it's not just me, keep saying that you never let a crisis go to waste. The Hegelian dialectic, if you can create a conflict of some sort and control both sides of that conflict, then you can control the outcome. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis, right? So what these guys are telling you, America, my fellow Americans, is that they, they're going to they're gonna start funding heavily the research and development of artificial intelligence technologies, and they believe that it is going to reorganize the life of the world. Isn't it conveniently coincidental that it just so happens to be rolled out right after Biden gets into office, right after all of these lockdowns of freedoms occurred from the pandemic, and I'm not saying the pandemic was made in a lab and released on purpose. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if there is no conspiracies regarding the pandemic, and it wasn't a pandemic like you've been hearing and all that kind of stuff, then I'm, what I'm saying is that the military used the crisis, used the chaos, used the restricting of freedoms to roll out their plan for the world. The big club people, they're taking over. I'm telling you, people, it's coming. It's coming. Orwell's hell. A terror era coming true. That's what Zach De La Roca said from Rage Against the Machine. And I can't remember what song it was, but... There are very intelligent, enlightened people that have been seeing this coming for a long time. People have been saying it since day one of this podcast. You got to wake up to this stuff. 
And then, you know, didn't it sound like such a sales pitchy kind of slime ball? I mean, these guys are like so excited, but they're trying to say, uh, they're trying to tell you something with big, you know, dramatic words that you don't really know exactly what they're talking about, but it sounds official. They're trying to sell you people. He said, Houston, we have a problem. Oh, we have to recognize that there is a problem. We're we're behind the ball. We got to catch up. We got to compete with China. <sighs> Do you believe that? Do you believe all that? Or are we already in a pretty good position on the world stage and we just want to dominate and control? He said, you know, we will win the competition equal which what I heard is we will win the war. The war on AI supremacy. We are not organized right now. And then what did he say? He said, okay, get a load of this. He says, oh, we're going to need top-down leadership. And any of the departments that don't follow the vector are going to be penalized. Those that do follow the vector are going to gain more resources. People, that's dictatorship. There's nothing democratic about top-down leadership where the people that fall in line get more resources to achieve the goal and the people that fall outside of the party line and outside of the plan are going to be penalized. And who knows what penalized means? He didn't really define how how they're going to penalize their own competing departments. Is that what he means by that? I don't know. See, these guys say a lot of fancy, pretty words. But when you really break it down, it's like, what does it exactly mean? What does it exactly mean? He said that they're going to remove bureaucratic obstacles. People, that is dictatorship. He tried to tell you that, oh, you know, we we are the benevolent country that doesn't believe in uh, uh, communism uh, and the communist uh, Republic of China who, uh, you know, they want to use this technology to surveil their population. You know, (laughs) we Americans who have the moral high ground, we would never do that. So, you know, we're going to we're going to have ethical. Oh, we have what do you say? We have a rock solid ethical baseline. Oh, I'm calling bullshit on that. They want to use it for population surveillance. People, they're already surveilling our population. What a joke. What a joke. You know, the government is growing to be a worldwide business, he said. You know, uh, we're losing the fight. We need to catch up. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, So that's just some of the sales pitch. These guys are trying to get you to go along with their plan, and they're trying to scare you into saying, oh, we need to do this because China and other countries are coming. Just It's the same protocols, people. It's the same game plan. It's the same blueprint. It's the same every time. Your false flags, your your coordinated psychological operations, etc., 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 people. Uh, you know, and another thing these guys scared me, they're talking about, oh, we're going to get insights into the financial sector. We're going to have insights into markets using AI. And it's like, okay, how much of the market are you going to control using your artificial intelligence? Is free market competition going away? Is this the technological future that you socialist utopian types have been saying, oh, technology is just going to advance to the point where it's going to do all the work for us. Humans aren't going to have to toil. We're not going to have to be alienated from the product of our labor anymore, right? Oh, wah, wah, wah. 
$16 trillion. Your tax money. Your tax dollars. From your hard work. That gets taken out of your check. By force. Against your will. $16 trillion in the next 10 years. They're saying it's going to increase, investing in AI is going to increase GDP uh, by 15% possibly. Uh, We need to look into militarized AI and the predominant uh, focus of AI needs to be in the Department of Defense, people. (laughs) Your Orwellian surveillance police state is here. It's coming. Ugh. So, I just wanted to run that by you, people. If you haven't read 1984 yet, people, goddamn it, go pick up 1984 and read that fucking book already. You will see what I mean. Go read Brave New World. Go, go read every book I've been talking to you people about on this podcast. It's coming. It's coming. And I welcome it. Any of you out there... Any of you people that have listened to my podcast and heard me say something that you didn't like or you didn't agree with, so you turned it off, and maybe you went away for a while and you stopped listening, and then you were still interested and curious again because maybe there was a few things that I did get right and that I did interest you in when I started talking about, uh, you know, covering them in depth on this podcast, and maybe you came back and you listened a little bit later. You know, I got a little bit better at podcasting as I started. My first couple ones were a dumpster fire. But, you know, I got the ball rolling a little bit. I'm getting the hang of it, you know. You live, you learn. Scientific method, baby. Trial and error. You got to try. You have to attempt. And, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you can present me, it's like Stefan Molyneux said in his his thing. If you guys want to unleash some arguments on me and and, you know, get me off of some of this stuff, with some facts and evidence and some reasoned arguments. I mean, I would love, I would love to dismiss some of the more controversial stuff that I believe to be true. Let me know. Show me where I'm wrong. Please. I'm on my knees begging you. Blow up my arguments. I welcome it. Show me the light. Am I wrong? Am I getting all this stuff wrong, people? If I am... Please send me an email, Andrew for America, 1984 at gmail.com. Tell me what I'm getting wrong. People, I don't think I'm getting anything wrong. I might get a few things wrong from time to time. And I'll correct myself when I do. But people, you got to pay attention to this stuff. I bet most of you didn't even know who these two guys were until I brought them up and introduced them to you today. You didn't know who Robert Work was before just now. You didn't know who Mike, uh, General Groan was before just now. You better, know, you better know him. Two gentlemen that are going to be making the decisions and pulling the strings and making all the important decisions concerning the future of our military and the future of how artificial intelligence is going to be integrated into our society by force, using your tax money, whether you like it or not. You still feel like you're living in a free country, people? Princeton University put out a study not too long ago. I think I talked about it previously. Uh, We are no longer living in a democracy or in a constitutional republic. We're living in an oligarchy, people. Government 
by the rich, for the rich. <clears throat> government of the rich, by the rich, and for the rich. For the first time in American history, more members, more sitting members of Congress and of the Senate are millionaires, multimillionaires, than have ever been before. You think that happened magically? No. Government and uh, big business had to get in bed together. Crony capitalism, also known as corporatism, also known as fascism. It's coming, people. It's coming. I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, we're going to play a clip by a lady named Dolores Cannon. And Dolores reminds me of Manly P. Hall, kind of. She's kind of this esoteric, kind of, you know, of the earth uh, religions and philosophies. But she said something in a speech, and I randomly found this. I started following her on Facebook because I liked the memes that I, I saw them putting out. And then I read a little bit about her. And um, turns out uh, Dolores is uh, a, a deep thinker. She's kind of out there. She talks about everything from UFOs to reincarnation to metaphysics, uh, hypnosis. We talked about hypnosis with uh, MK MKUltra uh, previously. All this stuff is real, people. <laughs> it's real. I'm not making it up. Dolores Cannon's career as a hypnotherapist specializing in past life regression, whatever that means, spanned almost 50 years and had taken her on an incredible journey along countless fascinating destinations. Uh, you can read about her early, early days in hypnotherapy when she first discovered reincarnation, learn how she developed and refined her own unique method of hypnosis known as quantum healing hypnosis technique. Uh, etc., etc. Um, so, in fact, you know what? I'm not going to take a break. Let's just get this in there. So, here we go. Uh, while thinking about all the things that I've talked about on this podcast, and uh, in the spirit of the clip I just played for you people uh, by the Pentagon uh, military uh, gentleman, in the spirit of what we're talking about today, think about what Dolores says here. And you know, agree or disagree, doesn't really matter. I just hope that uh, you listen with an open mind because she's going to say something uh, very eloquently that I've been trying to get across to you people since episode one. So here we go. One of the things they said, one of the main things that will hold people back from ascending and going into the new earth is fear. We're so steeped in fear a lot of it is coming from the government. You know that. They said it'd be better off if you don't watch TV, don't watch the news, don't get caught up in the illusion. Because the more you hear about all the violence and all the bad things that are happening, amplifies it. Better off if you just didn't focus on that at all. But that, I said, you mean... Uh, by fear, then, do you mean the wars and things? And they said, yes, the government with the wars and also with the diseases that they are trying to create. You keep the population in fear, then you can control it. 
And that's what a lot of this has to do with the drugs. And you, well, look at your TV. They try to convince you you have to take a pill for everything. And they said these diseases they want you to have shots for, they do not exist. But it's all a way to promote fear. You get the population afraid enough, you can make them do anything. And you know this has been happening since 9-11. All of these new laws coming into effect that would never have happened before. All having to do with fear. And it's like, oh great father, protect me. And you'll let them do anything. But they said, you're going to have to start thinking for yourself. We are... Um, have access now to instantaneous information on the, on the computers, much more than we ever had in the past. You can have information that you would know is real. You read these things, you ask questions, make up your own mind. Don't believe what everybody is telling you. Think for yourself. Don't let fear rule your life, because if you're afraid, if fear is holding you back, you're not going to progress as we go into the new earth. And it's happening. Our vibrations are increasing. There's no way to hold it back. But some will be left behind because they can't change quick enough. Don't get caught up in the illusion of what's happening. I always tell people when I do a lecture, don't believe what I say. Don't believe what anybody else says. Think for yourself. Ask lots and lots of questions. Then make up your own mind. What it is you believe. Bravo, Dolores. I couldn't have said it better myself. Couldn't have said it better myself. People, you got to find the courage. You got to learn how to, how to get through the fear. And being able to process information quickly, being able to put things into context quickly, uh, comes to you from reading and educating yourself and being knowledgeable and being aware. Uh, and like we've talked about it before a hundred times, these themes keep coming up. People, you can't run away anymore. It's coming. Dolores just got done telling you it's happening. And you can, like I said, agree or disagree with what she was saying, you know. It is not crazy or stupid to think that the government and the intelligence community may be doing some disgusting, nefarious things uh, that are not in the best interest of the American people. And we have declassified information that proves that that is accurate and correct and true, objectively true. It happened in the past. We have it on record. And the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Humans are fallible creatures. Don't fall into the illusion, people. We got to get smarter about what is happening in this world. It's coming, people. A brave new world order, a brave new Orwellian world order, 
where privacy doesn't exist anymore. Entrepreneurship barely exists anymore. Only certain people get to start companies. Only certain people can. The risk aspect has taken out of the equation for the people that are already in a good, successful, gatekeeping, dominating spot. Their government buddies help them out. That's how this country works now, people. Your Bill of Rights is obsolete. The NDAA that these guys are talking about, the Patriot Act like Dolores just got done talking about, slowly but surely, slow usurpations over time, they keep introducing these little laws, they keep taking over access and control to one little small aspect of the economy or of the society, whatever. And sooner or later, people, we're going to wake up and every single aspect of our life is going to be controlled and dominated by the government. And they walked their new totalitarian dictatorship right into your doorstep, right onto your carpet while you're sitting there watching your cable TV. They, they rolled it in right under your nose. <clears throat> you heard it here first, people. Don't be upset. If, you, if, you're, if you're a naysayer and if you're a doubter and if you're the type of person that just can't believe anything that I've been saying on my podcast and I'm just the devil and I'm a racist, sexist, misogynist, you know, whatever. Feel however you want to feel about me, people. But, you know, you don't got to defend the truth. The truth will defend itself. And let's just let history, I've said it before, let's let history decide who's right and who's wrong. Let's let history decide if Andrew for America is full of shit or not. We'll see. We shall see, my friends. We shall see. I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, it's time for some punk rock, baby, on the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right. Welcome back. It's punk rock time. Um, I really like this song. This is a song by Goldfinger. And it's called Spokesman. And I love it. John Feldman, I think he used to be an A&R guy. Uh, you can kind of hear that a little bit in what he is writing in the song as far as his lyrics go. He says, What happened to dignity? Did it go away again? Just like some worn out trend. Well, I still defend emotions. What happened to honesty? I don't see it on the top ten. I only see it in what has been. Because I still defend devotion. And then he asks, Am I alone? And then I love this line. I don't want to rest. I don't want to breathe. When I want to hear about life. 
I don't want to hear a spokesman. I don't want to test. I want to believe. The goddamn singer wrote this song. <laughs> don't want to hear a spokesman. Then he says, what happened to integrity? I don't see it on MTV. All I see is choreography, and I'll never be a dancer. So he's talking about being a punk rocker, and like, I want to play punk rock music. I'm not going to be one of these. I'm not going to change to be popular, right? And he says, what happened to puberty, bad skin, and insecurity? And who the fuck is Felicity? I got problems of my own. <laughs> I don't know what Felicity... He might be talking about Felicity Huffman there and her, and her kid uh, not being qualified to get into college or whatever. I don't know what he's talking about. That That's what I was thinking. But Anyway, <laughs> this has been episode 25 of the Politics and Punk Rock podcast i love you guys thanks for listening and people be aware the military industrial complex the big club the coming future ai big tech world people (laughs) it's coming i love you guys and we'll see you next time